We have a new series. It is called The Coming King. The Coming King. And last week, we talked about this series. And, and, and basically what we're doing is we're talking about the events leading up to during and immediately after the birth of Jesus. And if you were here last, if you were here last week, would you raise your hand? Were you here last week? Oh, come on, look at you guys. Y'all were here last week, you're here this week again. That's great, I like to see that. Uh, so you remember what we talked about. It was about the shepherds and the story of the angels coming down and, and, and telling the shepherds that this beautiful, wonderful thing had just happened, that a savior had been born. And we talked about the, the idea that God can use a regular, average, everyday person like you and like me to share the message of Jesus with everyone around us. And so uh, today we're gonna kind of continue in that a little bit. But before we do that, I wanna ask you a question. Have you ever been called a name that was not your name? Have you ever been called a name that was not your name? I'm serious. I've been called a name that was not my name all the time. And I don't feel like my name is that difficult to get. My name is Trevor, okay? Not a super hard name, all right? It's not like, you know, I, I, there's all kinds of different names that might be difficult to say or difficult to hear. And it's like, you think it might be a different one. Trevor's not too terribly hard, but sometimes I'll go to Starbucks or I'll tell somebody my name and then they write Travis on it. Or people call me Travis all the time. And I'm like, Trevor, Travis. And it's like the first syllable kind of, but then like er and is. It's like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It's a little frustrating, right? When somebody calls you, a name that's not yours. And it's a little awkward. Like if they give you the drink back at Starbucks and you just like, yeah, thank you so much. It's like, you want to say something you're like, my name's actually, but it's like, it doesn't really matter, you know? But then you get to that awkward point. Maybe you've met somebody and you thought maybe you'd never see them again, uh, but then you start to see them more. And then they keep calling you the name that's not yours. And then you're like, get to that awkward point where you're like, okay, at what point do I tell them it's going to shatter everything that they know? You know what I mean? Like they're going to feel so awkward and so uncomfortable, but uh, I've been called a name that was not mine multiple times. And uh, also sometimes that there's labels that people will put on you and, and names that people will call you that, that also aren't true. It's just not true about you. I, one of the things that bothers me more than anything is when somebody says, I'm not telling the truth. If somebody says that I'm lying about something, I get so upset, like really, really upset. It bothers me to no end. And so I kind of imagine, to illustrate, I kind of imagine there's, you know, like a kid and a mom and the mom and they're in the kitchen and the kid is, is crying and the mom's like, I know that you ate the cookie. I just made the cookies, Johnny, and I told you not to do it. Why did you eat the cookie? And he's like, I didn't eat the cookie, mom. I promise I didn't eat the cookie. You know, the kids, they get that weird thing that they do. I didn't eat the cookie. And the mom's like, listen, Johnny, if you don't admit it right now, I'm going to get your father in here, right? How many of you, mom, you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to get your father and he's going to discipline you and you're not going to like it. So you need to tell me, did you eat this cookie right here? <laughs> hey, bro, hey, hey, hey. Like, it's not even words anymore coming out they get like the ugly kid cry it's just like really annoying you know it's like they're just snots everywhere all over him you know and it's like I promise I did and then dad walks around the corner with like a glass of milk and chocolate all on his teeth and mom's like are you serious you know it's like he didn't eat the cookie and he was really upset about it and dad's over there just like whoa what's happening you know like he ate the cookies and that's that's me all the time I was probably the one that ate the cookie so my wife is nodding yes yes you did babe anyway so uh, or maybe somebody calls you something about your personality that's not true. They'll say, well, you're just, uh, you're just a quiet person, aren't you? Like, that's just so cute. You know, you're just a quiet individual, you know? It's like, no, I'm not a quiet person. I just, I just don't like you. <laughs> I honestly just don't really have anything to say to you. Like, we don't relate in any way, shape, or form. 
honestly, if I had never seen you in my life, that'd probably be better off. You know, it's like, you know, sometimes you just feel that way. I mean, there's no other way to say that. Sometimes we have those feelings and that's the way we think. It's like, but people think things about you and they say these things about you and it's just sometimes not true. Maybe it's been something more serious though. Maybe somebody has called you a failure before. Maybe somebody's said, you don't have what it takes, that you're a bad parent or that you'll never amount to anything. Maybe if they don't say it out loud, sometimes you know that they think it. Sometimes you know that, that you feel that about yourself as well. We label ourselves with these things. We tell ourselves those things sometimes. And Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Maybe you've been called some terrible things. You've been called stupid, unwanted, useless, or your name was distorted or thrown under the bus for somebody else's selfish gain. But God calls people different names. Did you know that? God messes up people's names sometimes. Now, he doesn't mess them up, but he does change people's names sometimes. You know, Abram was eventually called Abraham. Simon, his name changed to Peter. And Saul was also called Paul. And maybe you don't know this, but John the Baptist his name originally wasn't going to be John. His name was actually going to be Zechariah. And in Luke 1, which is where we're going to be today, we'll get to it in just a second. But if you want to open your Bible or, or get your Bible app out, whatever it might be, we'll be in Luke 1. You know, last week we were in Luke 2. This week we're in Luke 1. But his name wasn't originally going to be John. And so in Luke 1, we find Zechariah, who's a priest, and his wife's name is Elizabeth. And the angel Gabriel appears to him. Gabriel was very busy in Luke 1 and 2. He was just appearing to people and telling them things, right? You know, he's got Mary, he's got Zechariah. He's, he's a very, very busy time for him. Uh, he was pulling overtime, all right? So uh, he goes to Zechariah and he says, hey, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to have the spirit of Elijah, which basically means he's going to be a prophet. He's going to have that spirit of a prophet, and he's going to help turn people back to God. And Zechariah says, <clears throat> excuse me, sir, Mr. Angel Gabriel, sir, uh, I don't know if you know this or you can tell or not, but I'm pretty old. And my wife, Elizabeth, she's actually pretty old too. And I don't know if you know how this works, but we probably can't have kids because she's a little bit too old. Uh, I don't know if this is going to really happen. I don't know why people argue with angels or argue with God, you know, especially when they're like right in front of them. It's like, why in the world do you think that that's the person you're going to argue with? Like I get if you argue with your son or your daughter or your wife or something like that, but the angel Gabriel appears to you and you're like, eh, I don't know if I believe that. It's like, come on, man. And so Gabriel did not take a liking to that. And he went, Bloop, and you're silent. And so he basically struck him mute and said, until your son is born, you're not going to be able to talk until he's born, right? And that's where we pick up in Luke chapter one, verses 57 through 66. It should be on the screen for you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along right there. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. And, they, and this is the verse I really want you to key in on today. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors. All these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. 
And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was on him. And that verse, Luke 161, is really what we're keen on today. It's none of your relatives is called by this name. How many of you would agree with me that there is power in a name? There's power in the labels and the things that people put on you or the things that you put on yourself. Whether positive or negative, I think we can all agree that those things have power over how we think, how we feel, how we go about our everyday lives. A study called The Early Catastrophe found there's power, between, power behind the words that we speak to children between birth and the age of four. The study showed that the more we speak encouraging things to a child at an early age, the fewer problems they will have with identity and purpose later in life. So if you're taking notes today, I want you to go ahead and write down the title of this message. It is called by this name. Message is called by this name. And the subtitle, I got two weeks in a row with the subtitle. What's going on, guys? This is crazy. It's the three names that God calls us. If you want to write that down, we're going to talk about three names that God calls us, right? Because it's not about what the world calls you. It's not about what you call yourself. But what matters most is what God calls us. So we're gonna look to the Bible today and see what does God actually say about you and I as believers in Jesus. Would you pray with me? Lord, I just ask right now that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts to the word that you would have us to hear today. Let it not be me, but let it be you speaking through me today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here in this place. And God, we just say thank you for being with us in this service today. It's your name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Come on. Uh, so we're going to get right into it. The first, war, the first name that God calls us is his friend. Write that down. We are friends of God. It's an awesome, awesome promise. It's an awesome name that he does call us. And when I was in college, I had a roommate. His name was Connor. He was a really funny dude. He was a good guy. Uh, we, I went into college to be a, a music ministries major. I went to Bible college and I thought I was going to be a worship pastor for my whole life. I had done that ever since I was a kid. And, you know, I've always sang and played instruments. I play guitar and bass and a little bit of drums and I still can't play piano. One of these days I'm going to learn, but uh, I can, you know, tickle the ivories a tiny bit in the key of C. That's it. So, uh, but I don't really, I thought I was going to do that for the rest of my life. And I didn't ever realize that I was going to be preaching or, or doing this here today. You know, I always thought I would do music. And Connor also was a music ministries major. And so as music ministries major, majors, as 18-year-old kids, what do, you, what do you think that we were doing in our spare time? We thought we were lyricists. You know what I mean? Like we thought we were really, really cool and that we could like change lyrics and make them funny or make them better or something like that. And so there was this one song that was way back in the day. I think it was in the 90s that it came out. And it's called, I am a friend of God. You ever heard that song? I'm a friend of God. Okay, if you know it, I need you to sing along with me right now. You gotta, it's a, it's a peppy song. It's a fun song. So we're gonna get, you know, we're gonna loosen up a little bit. I know it's misty outside, but we're gonna have a good time today. Ready? So we go, I am a friend of God. Come on, sing it. I am a friend of God. Hey, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. All right, there you go. You gotta get that in there. You know what I'm saying? And then you got like the, the, the choirs going in the background. I am a friend of God, right? You know, Woo, I am a friend. They're just like getting it. They got the robes on, you know, like they're loving life back there. They're just smiling. It's a fun song. But me and Connor, we didn't like those words. So we changed it. To, I am afraid of God. I am afraid of God. I'm so afraid, right? And we would sing that. We would do all kinds of different songs. We thought it was hilarious. Really not that funny. You know, that's not a good thing, but... 
Uh, that's what we did in college. So, but God calls us friends. It's a great reminder. Even though we were messing around, I like to remind myself of that story. Man, that's, that's sad. I'm dancing for like five seconds. I'm out of breath, y'all. Anyway, uh, gosh, we got to work out again, guys. Tim, let's go work out. Alec, you got it? Okay, here we go. Uh, I'm a friend of God. It's a great reminder. Where do we find that in scripture? It's in John 15, 15. It says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls his disciples friends. He's not saying, hey, you guys aren't my servants. You guys aren't these lowly subjects or anything like that. No, 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 that's not how this relationship works. Why? What, what is the difference between a servant and a friend? I wanna talk about that for just a second. Let's break it down. A servant comes when there's something to do, right? When you call a servant, you know, they don't really speak unless they're spoken to, you know, like you call them and say, hey, there's something to do and they do it. But a friend is welcome anytime. A friend just walks in at 10 o'clock at night and doesn't knock on the door, you know, cause they have the, the key code or whatever. They just come in and say, hey, you wanna watch a movie? You know, like there's a big difference between a friend and a servant. A servant is told what to do, but a friend is told why. Friends told, hey, this is why we're doing this, right? And in Jesus, you see countless times throughout scripture, he doesn't tell everybody the why behind his stories, his parables. He doesn't tell everybody the meaning behind some of the things he says. But then you'll see afterwards, the disciples will ask him, be like, hey, what did you mean by that? And then he'll give them a little extra nugget. He won't fully explain it sometimes, but he tells them, hey, this is what that meant. This is why we're doing what we're doing here. A servant will bring food to the table, but a friend eats it with you. They sit there. And that's what Jesus is saying today is that you have a seat at the table with Jesus. He wants you to sit down with him, to hang out with him and to eat some food together and hang out together. And so uh, you're like, man, that sounds pretty good. How do I become a friend of God? Well, you just have to accept the Facebook friend request. That's it. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like he actually will send you a Facebook friend request. No, of course not. But this is kind of a little illustration that I want to give you today. How many of you have received uh, a Facebook friend request and maybe, okay, let's see. Are you like me that you'll like accept it immediately? Like if you know the person, you just kind of accept it. You're like, okay, I'll accept that friend request. Uh, maybe you're like my wife, Lindsay. Okay. I, I love, we're so different in so many ways and this is hilarious, but Lindsay, she, she will let that thing sit there for a long time, all right? She lets it sit there and I'll accept it immediately. I'm like, if I know them and they send me a friend request, it, it'll be five seconds later. It doesn't bother me, I'll hit accept. And she's like, Trev, what are you doing? You make yourself look desperate. Like you're just like, you know, like you don't have any friends. You're like, ooh, a friend, <laughs> you know, like. I mean, I'm like, I, I know them and I want to hang out with them. Like, I would like to be friends with this person, you know? And, and she's like, you've seen them once, you know? <laughs> like, you don't really know this person. And, and so I'll accept the friend request immediately. Lindsay will let that thing sit there. She'll let it cook for a while. You know, she puts it in the oven, lets it stew a little bit, makes them wonder, like, does she want to be friends with me? Or like, what's the deal? Or she'll let it sit there for a while because she's like, listen, I don't want it to seem like I'm just sitting on my computer all day just waiting to have some friend requests. And I'm like, well, I am on my computer all day waiting for friend requests, so... Well, Lindsay will let it sit there for a while. And maybe it's just because she's cooler than I am. You know, like she'll let it sit there for a couple of days and be like, all right, I'll accept you now. You know, <laughs> she's super cool. Like, and I will gladly admit that my wife is a lot cooler than I am. I don't think anybody thinks that I'm the cool person here. I've never admitted to that. I've never claimed that. Lindsay is just way cooler than I am. If you want to learn how to be cool and relevant in life, just go talk to my wife and she'll really help you out. So, uh, but that's how it is. That's how it is with, with God so many times. But, but here's the deal. 
Um, we're not automatically friends with people when they, when they send that friend request. And how many of you are grateful for that? Because if somebody sent you a friend request and you were automatically friends with them and they got to see all your stuff and you had to see all their stuff, I don't know if that would be the best thing in the world. There's some friend requests that I decline, okay? Like some of y'all are crazy, okay? And I'm not, I'm just like, I don't know, you know? I don't know about this person. I've never really hang out with them before. I've never met them before. Maybe it's just like somebody you don't really know at all and, and they'll send you that friend request, but that would be bad if it just automatically, if they sent the request that it just went through and you were already friends. Well, how does it work? Somebody has to send the first request. They send that friend request, bloop, and it says, John wants to be your friend, all right? And then you have to decide, okay, you hit the big blue button that says accept or the little gray button that says decline. They want you to accept it. Spend more time on Facebook, hang out with some friends, you know what I mean? Uh, but here's the deal. Somebody has to make that first request. Somebody has to make the first move. And that's how it is with Jesus and us. In Romans 5.10, it says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. While we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. What does that verse mean? We don't start out as friends with God. When we don't believe in God and when we're not living a life that honors God and we don't believe in Jesus, we're not his friend. The Bible says that we're separated from God by our sin. The Bible says we all have sin and we've all fallen short and we all are in need of a savior and his name is Jesus. We're actually enemies of God when we start out. But when Jesus died on the cross, what was he doing? He was sending that friend request to you and to me. He made the first move and he sent that friend request and it goes bloop. But how many of you are still leaving Jesus unread? How many of y'all are leaving him ghosted and you're leaving that friend request sitting there for a long time, maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe months, maybe it's been years and you've never said yes to Jesus and you're just leaving him ghosted like that. And he sent that friend request to you when he died on the cross. He said, listen, I'm here for you. I want a relationship with you. Why aren't you accepting this friend request? Here's the deal. There's a friend that's closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. There's a friend that will stick with you through thick and thin, through all the stuff that you go through in your life. He will be there right next to you, walking beside you, helping you throughout your life. He wants to share a relationship with you. He wants to sit at the same table as you and eat food together. He wants to DM you. He wants to share some photos with you. You know what I mean? He wants to share some statuses and comment and like and stuff like that. He wants that relationship, the back and forth between you and him. So how do you become friends with God? All you gotta do, is click the button and say yes. It's that simple. You just click the button and say yes. Jesus is a friend of sinners. That's a great, great promise. That's a great truth that we have from the Bible. Why? Because like I said earlier, the Bible says we're all sinners. And he was made fun of. He was ridiculed. He was made fun of for hanging out at the tax collector's houses and, and the, the outcasts and the lowly poor people of the world. And he was made fun of all the time. And here's the deal. He wasn't condoning some of the sin that they were in, but what was he doing? He was reaching out to these people. Jesus said that I didn't come for the healthy, right? I came for the sick. I didn't come for the righteous. I've come to call the sinners. And so he's not condoning their sin, but he was hanging out with them. And it says in the Bible that God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. His kindness in sitting there at the table and dropping that friend request, bloop, that's what leads people to Jesus. And this is the only religion, I just want to tell you this, if you didn't know, this is the only religion, Christianity is the only one where God actually calls himself a friend of the people that live here on earth. The only one. 
Every other one is all about serving, serving. What can you do for God to earn his love, earn his affection? And no, that's not what God says. He says, listen, all you have to do is say yes to my son, Jesus, and bam, you're a friend. Obey my word, obey the things that I say. Yes, of course. Man, just have that relationship with me. That's what it's all about. So you might think that you can't be close with God, but he calls you his friend. You might think that you have too much of a past, he calls you his friend. You think that you might be too messed up? I'm telling you, you say yes to Jesus, he calls you his friend. That's what we need to remember. You are called by this name, a friend of God, amen? amen. The second one today is his masterpiece. You're called his masterpiece. That is a really cool thing to hold on to, y'all. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Well, have you ever seen a speed painter before? You ever seen one of these things? I think we have some pictures. Uh, I think we have some. Let me make sure that they're up here. They're on the screen. Okay, okay, good. This is a really cool one that I like from... 2012, this is on, I think it's the Anderson Cooper show. I don't, I'm, I don't even think he has a show anymore. It was a long time ago. Uh, but when, you, when they start out, this guy had 90 seconds. They had some judges. He had 90 seconds to do a speed painting and they were doing his competition, right? Uh, and when he starts, you're like, man, this should be good. This is gonna be kind of cool, you know? And then he starts going and, and painting. And then, you know, go to, go to the next picture. I think it has like what the painting is kind of looking like, okay? Uh, and then it shows the painting and it's looking a little, you know, it's like, I don't really know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> like the judges, actually, I have a picture of the judges too. And it shows the judges and they're looking a little confused. Okay, they're like, what is this? Like a deformed potato? Or I mean, like, what are you actually painting here? And okay, and I have one, uh, get real close in on Anderson. Where is, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah, Anderson's, he's trying to be like nice about it. You can tell in his smile. He's like, yeah, like, go you. And he's like, this is not gonna be good, you know? <laughs> he's not feeling it. But then the artist flips it around. And then you see what? This awesome portrait of Anderson Cooper, right? And the time had run out and one of the, the judges had already given a buzzer and they had already said like, no, this is not good. But then he flips it over and everybody freaks out. There's a picture of the crowd just freaking out. The judges are going insane. They were like, this is awesome. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life. My question is, why wasn't the audience cheering the whole time? Why weren't, why weren't they cheering the whole time, right? It, it, it doesn't make any sense because it was incredible what the artist was doing, right? I mean, that's, that's awesome. That is a really, really cool thing that he was doing, but nobody was cheering. And here's the problem. You know, every stroke was done with intentionality. Every stroke was done with, with this detail in mind, with, with purpose, but nobody saw what was happening. Why? The problem is their perspective. Their perspective was off. They didn't have the perspective of the artist. Man, this is good, y'all. Do you have the right perspective today? Do you have the right perspective of who you are in your life? Do you call yourself not good enough? Do you say that I'm a failure? No one loves me. I don't like my body. I'm too fat. I'm too ugly. I'm too skinny. I'm too stupid. I should be at this point in my life by, by now, and I'm just not, and I'm just like this ugly potato painting, right? We say that over ourselves sometimes, don't we? No. God calls you his masterpiece, 
You are a masterpiece of God. Flip your perspective today. Listen, if you would see that God is the artist, he is the one that is forming you, that is shaping you, every brush stroke of who you are, every little detail God knows about you. And if you would just flip your perspective and not look at things the way that the world sees it, not look at it from the audience perspective, not look at it from the judge's perspective that are judging you all day long, whether that's yourself or somebody else, if you would flip it and see who the real artist is, he's looking down from above and he can see that thing from this angle and he sees exactly what's going on, right? He knows who you are. He has a plan and a purpose for you. Man, man, oh man, Woo! you are a masterpiece. You're not a mess. You're a masterpiece. You are called by this name. You have to start seeing yourself through the eyes of the artist, but that's not easy, right? I understand that. That's not, it's like easier said than done, pastor. You know, like it's difficult to overcome the things that people have said about me over 10, 20, 30 years and the things I've said about myself or thought about myself or felt about myself. Like that's, that's easier said than done. And I don't think that, that Facebook and Instagram makes it any easier, right? I mean, why? Because we just are comparing ourselves to people constantly. That's what it's all about, about who can get more likes or, you know what I mean? Like who, is, who has more followers or, or how many friends do you have on Facebook? And you start to look at pictures and you might say something like, well, why can't I just look like her? Oh, you say that internally. I understand. It's like, well, if you had three kids, you wouldn't be wearing that bikini either, girl. Ugh. <laughs> and they just seem so happy. Look how perfect their life is. And the guys are like, why can't I have that promotion like him or have that car? And then the moms might be like, their kids are little angels. Mine are little devils. <laughs> kids, can I encourage you today? Stop comparing your behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. Stop comparing your behind the scenes to somebody else's highlight reel. Listen, that bikini pic might be a cry for attention because that woman has never known true love in her entire life. That couple that is in that beautiful, fancy photo, listen, they fought all the way to the photo shoot and then they put on a fake smile. That promotion that the guy got, he was ignoring his family and his wife and his kids feel neglected and he had to get that job. He had to get that promotion and so his family is feeling terrible. But man, he got that promotion, didn't he? And those little smiling kids, oh, they're so precious. They colored all over the walls that evening, okay? Like, listen, they have issues and they have problems too. Stop comparing yourself to other people and start seeing yourself as the masterpiece that God has made you. Goodness. We're trying to make ourselves look like a masterpiece in the eyes of those that have the wrong perspective in the first place. Who cares what anyone else thinks? And honestly, who cares what you think if it's negative and it's not what the Bible says? Listen, I'm telling you, man, it is not true. You have to start calling yourself a masterpiece and understand that that's who you are in Christ Jesus. Stop trying to make yourself look better than you are and realize it's God that makes you better than you are. Man, that verse says earlier, the one that read, it says that he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. When you say yes to Jesus and you turn away from sin, you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come, amen? You are not living in your sin anymore. You're not a failure. You are forgiven. And that's a beautiful place to be able to live. So you wanna feel better about yourself? Why don't you just get off Instagram and get in the word of God? Start flipping your perspective around. You'll start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. You're not a mess. You are a masterpiece. You are called by this name. Amen? The third one today is his sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. That's what you're called. Yeah, what? Let's go. That's right. He calls us sons and daughters. That is an awesome thing because it wasn't just enough for, for God to call us his friends. 
It wasn't just enough for him to call us a masterpiece. Those are great things. But he calls us sons and daughters? Wow, that's good. He wanted that level of intimacy with us that only comes from a father and son relationship, a mother-daughter or father-daughter, mother-son relationship. He wanted that connection with us. And orphans, whether by their parents passing away or whether by abandonment or whatever the reason might be, they deal with emotional struggles that, that non-orphan children will never understand, right? Depression and anxiety is usually a lot higher in orphaned kids. And why is that? I, I really truly believe that there's nothing like the love of a mother and a father, right? There's nothing like it. Somebody that's there to ride a bike with you and, and teach you how to ride that bike and and pick you up when you fall off the bike, right? To, to hang out with you and watch movies or to comfort you and, and give you a hug, girls, when that, that boy at school rejected you and he didn't ask you to prom, but he asked out Veronica, dumb Veronica. <laughs> Someone to go to your baseball games with you and to cheer you on and to say, go, son, go get them. Man, there's nothing like that. And if you don't have that in your life, I can understand Right? I think we can all understand why there would be some negative psychological effects. And uh, I played sports actually pretty much my whole life. Uh, from when I was a kid, uh, I started when I was four pretty much actually playing like, you know, upward basketball and those little things like that. And uh, I played t-ball and all that. And then I played year-round sports from four to 18 years old, year-round. I was one of those kids that played basketball, baseball, soccer, football, anything that was a sport, I was playing it. And I played the summer leagues and all that stuff too at AAU basketball and all that stuff. I was always playing some kind of sport. And, and my dad, I was so grateful for my dad. Uh, and he was at every single game that he could be at. He was at all of them. He made sure, he actually made a promise uh, to himself and to my mom and to us as kids that he would make sure that he was involved in our lives as best as he could, that he would come to every single game that he could, that he would be a part of every single activity that he could be a part of. He was my coach in baseball. He was coaching football. He was coaching everything. He was a dad in the stand just cheering me on. And man, that was just such a great thing for me to grow up with, but I understand that many of you might not have had a father like that in your life. And the state of fatherlessness in America is actually pretty alarming. Uh, the U.S. Census Bureau says that one in four children now live without an adoptive step or biological father in the home. Man, and the stats on what happens to these kids later in life is even more alarming. There's a four times greater risk of poverty, more likely to have behavioral problems, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol, to suffer from obesity, drop out of high school, commit crime, and more likely to go to prison. Those are the things that happen when there's not a father in the home. And also that applies as well to kids that don't have either parent that are orphaned. So here's the deal. Are you living with an orphan spirit? Are you living like an orphan. Now, let me tell you what this means. You're like, I don't really know what an orphan spirit is. Let me explain it to you. Are you feeling rejected? Are you feeling lonely? Are you feeling unworthy? Are you ever secretly glad when somebody else fails because it makes you feel better about where you're at? Are you constantly seeking attention? Do you have unhealed wounds from a mother or a father that abandoned you? Do you try to hide your limitations so people don't think less of you? Do you have a lack of confidence? Are you emotionally withdrawn from others? Feel the need to perform well to be loved? struggling with addiction, self-harm, or anger, any of those things, you might be living with an orphan spirit. And that orphan spirit 
is constantly trying to prove themselves to others, constantly trying to get acceptance and fill the gap where there should be love and, and, and security in their heart. And they're trying to fill it with the acceptance of other people. And in John 1.12, it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 1 John 3.1, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. You are a child of God. When you adopt a child, I know maybe there's some people out here that have been adopted or that have adopted a child. And first off, I just a side note, I just wanna say, Thank you so much to those of you that have gone through that process of fostering and adoption. You know why? Because the Bible says that true religion is this, to take care of widows and orphans. That is what true religion really is. So you know what? Can we give a hand to anybody that's fostering or adopting? I think we needed to, as a church to celebrate that more. We need to celebrate that more. And honestly, as a church, uh, we're gonna hopefully, over the next few years, we're gonna have some initiatives that will really help uh, and, and encourage people in our church to foster and adopt children. And I know that's a, it's a crazy process. And I even know of a family that, that's on our RAD team that was fostering kids for seven or eight months. And then they had uh, three kids and they'd been there for a long time. They thought that they were gonna be able to adopt them. And then about a month ago, they were taken out of their home and, and given back to their mother. And I understand there's so many intricacies and things that go along with that. Man, that is such a difficult thing to handle. And it's, some, it's something that's very noble and it's very, uh, very Christ-like. And so I wanna make sure that we honor that. But what happens when you do adopt a child? The, the child doesn't, take, doesn't keep the name of the former family. That child now takes on the name of the family that has adopted them. And what do they get? What do they get out of this, right? They get the same privileges as any of the other kids. They're exactly the same as the biological kids in the eyes of the law necessarily, and then also in the eyes of the family. They're exactly the same. They might even get to share in the inheritance of the father and of the mother. So when you say yes to Jesus, God adopts you as his son and daughter, and you get the privilege and the authority of the name of God over your life, and you get to walk in that. But so many times, we don't walk in that because we're still living like an orphan. Let me tell you, you've been adopted as a Christ follower by a father that will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. And he is there for you in the darkest times of your life, in the best times of your life. I can promise you, he will always be there. And there is no greater love than the love of our heavenly father. If you had a bad experience with your father or your mother here on this earth, you were abandoned or you emotionally even abandoned by a parent, whatever that might be, I wanna encourage you, man, don't ever compare the love of the father to the love of people on this earth because his love is greater than any love you will ever experience here on this earth. His love is greater. Oh man, it's, it's so great. And you may call yourself unworthy, rejected, abandoned, depressed. You might feel like an orphan, but God calls you by this name that you're accepted, that you're loved, and that you're adopted by God himself. You are his son, you are his daughter. If I could have Sadie come on up and play some keys for me today. Man, you got to remind yourself daily that the names that you give yourself and the names that others give you are not nearly as important as the names that God puts on you. You have to know what those names are. And that's what we're doing here today. We're just looking at a few, but I wanna also encourage you, get in your Bible and figure out some more names that God calls you. This is not an exhaustive list, people. This is just a couple of names that I wanted to highlight today that God calls us. You might call yourself all these things, but God calls you a different 
name, John's name, going back to John the Baptist. His name was different from anyone else in his family. Nobody had ever been called John in his family before, and it confused people. They were like, why are you calling him John? Everybody's called Zechariah. Your dad was called Zechariah. I'm sure his dad was called Zechariah. You know, all the Zechariahs. Everybody thought that he was going to be called Zechariah. And yet he wasn't called Zechariah because God gave him the name John. His job was to tell of the coming king. That was John's mission. That was his job. That was God-given, his purpose. But he could have rejected that name. He could have lived like a Zechariah and never stepped into the authority and the purpose of the name that God had given him. He could have lived like an orphan. He could have lived a different lifestyle, a different way. Could have tried to live like his dad, like a Zechariah and, and never taken on that mission and the purpose that God had for him. So my question today is, maybe God is calling you Peter, the rock, come on. But are you still living like Simon the fisherman? God might be calling you David, a man after God's own heart, but are you still living like David, the adulterer? God's calling you a son or a daughter today, but are you still living like an orphan? Can I remind you of who you are today? Can I remind you? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Can I remind you of who you are today? Come on, let me tell you, you might be living defeated, but God's calling you victorious. You might be living like God's mad at you, but he says that he is your friend. You might be chained up in your addictions today, but God is saying that you are set free by the blood of Jesus. You might feel worthless today, but let me tell you, you are his workmanship. Throw off the labels and the names that this world gives you and that you give yourself and start calling you by the names that God has given you and step into the authority and the purpose that God has given you in the name, and that is that you are a son or a daughter. You are a masterpiece, and you are God's friend in this place today. Would you give him praise in the house? Would you stand with me today? Just like John the Baptist. People around him, his family said, there's nobody else called by this name. His father said, no, no, no. He is called by this name. And our Father in heaven is calling you these names. When you say yes to Jesus, these are the things that you are. His friend, his masterpiece, his son, his daughter. And maybe like that painting from earlier, that's how you still see yourself. Whether it's by the world putting those things on you or you putting it on yourself, you might say, you know what, Pastor Trevor, I need a new perspective. I have trouble seeing myself the way that God sees me. Maybe you didn't know that God called you these things. Maybe not every single one of these has applied to you, but I do believe that one of these has applied to each and every one of you, at least. Something in your spirit is saying, you know what? I haven't felt this way about myself in a long time. I don't feel that God thinks of me as a friend. I don't feel like a friend of God or I don't feel like a masterpiece. I feel messed up and I feel ugly or I have self-doubt or whatever it might be or condemnation over myself. Maybe you don't feel like a son or daughter. Maybe you've had problem with a, a father or a mother and God is just calling you to a higher place of perspective, a higher place of understanding of who you are today. And if that's you and you feel like you need a new perspective, 
Can I encourage you to be bold today and raise your hand on the count of three and just say, hey, I need a new perspective. That's me, Pastor Trevor. I would like to get prayed for, for to have a new perspective from God today. So one, two, three. Is that you? Is that you out there? Come on. I believe there's a lot of people raising their hand right now. Be bold about it. Listen, I need a new perspective. I'm a friend of God. I'm a masterpiece. That's awesome. Put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you guys real quick because I want you to make sure that you leave this place encouraged knowing who you are in Jesus. So let's pray right now. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would just help these people that have raised their hands that have been bold enough to say, God, I need a new perspective of who I am today. God, would you take them from where they are? Would you flip that perspective around and show them that you're the artist, that they're beautiful, that they're a man of God, a woman of God, and they don't have to live condemned by their sin, condemned by the way they think about themselves, living in fear, living in doubt, loathing who they are, loathing themselves, comparing themselves to others. But God, they can live as your son and your daughter, your masterpiece. And God, you are their friend and you want a relationship with them today. Lord, would you flip their perspective right now in the name of Jesus? I declare a new perspective shift right now, Lord. And would you just declare that over yourself today? Would you just declare, I have a new perspective. Everybody say, I have a new perspective. Say it one more time like you need it. I have a new perspective. Come on, that's good, that's good.